This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Jey Uso has quit WWE? Well, this is a development that I sure as hell did not see coming, but we will get into that and much more in our SmackDown Review podcast here on the Talk podcast channel. I am your host, Tempest, alongside the wonderful and lovely Sat Ian Yangi. Sat, what's causing all this? I like that he's using my lines. We, we're not in sync. Synergy. Happy Saturday, ladies and gentlemen. What's causing all this is, well, Jay Uso has decided to take a sabbatical from all the BS that's been going on with his family. And quite frankly, I don't blame him. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. BS is a good way to talk about the bloodline storyline at the moment, because who knows what's going on? Not us. We'll get into it. Make sure, of course, that you like this video. Subscribe if you haven't already and uh, ring that bell to stay notified. Otherwise, let us know what you thought about the Bloodline segment or any other segment on this here episode of SmackDown, all of which we will get into. Let us know what you thought down in the comments below. But, of course, we will be starting with this main event segment because what a way to end it. But what a way to begin it. Because Roman Reigns came out and throughout the show they were promoting the main event segment just being like roman reigns address addresses his enemies all hail the chief or something like that was the line that they used and he comes down to the ring and he asks paul where jimmy is i guess assuming that in his mind jimmy would be rejoining the fold that jimmy should be out there with him and paul off mic is like i i i don't know I don't know. He's like, well, you didn't, you didn't talk to him. I was like, oh, I, I, I did talk to him. I talked to him a little bit, but he's, he's not here. And then Jimmy appears at ringside, I guess, having come through the crowd, but he's got a hoodie on dressed the same way he was at, at SummerSlam. Do you think he hasn't changed in the last few weeks? No, this is, this show began right after SummerSlam ended. That's how wrestling works. So I'm told you ever see that one TNA show where like one show ends with Shannon Moore stealing AJ Styles plaque that he got from pro wrestling illustrated. Yes. And AJ Styles is chasing him around the impact zone. Mm. And then the pay-per-view is like three days later and it starts with AJ Styles still chasing Shannon Moore. You've I've been chasing I, him for I, three days straight. I, I, I need to rewatch that. That that's, I've probably seen the episode, but I didn't see the probably the, the preceding episode after that. No, no. It's all that, 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 yeah, that's how that's how wrestling works in my mind. Once one show stops, the other one starts, of course. That is fascinating. I love that. That's but we lore. get in the ring. Yes. We get to the ring. And Roman says, you know what, Jimmy, God be honest, man, I owe you one. You name your price. What do you want? And Jimmy's like, I don't want nothing from you. And Roman's like, Ah, you don't understand. You, you you want money? I can give you money. You want power? You want some sway around here? 
What? You want a match? You What do you want? And Jimmy says, I want nothing out of you. And Jay comes out. And this segment, from that point onward, Roman Reigns is basically not in it. He's stood in the corner, but he is, at best, the tertiary member of this segment. Because Jay comes out, and Jay gets right in Jimmy's face immediately, and he wants to know why. And he, like, shoves Jimmy's face. They're getting heated. And Jimmy says that he cost Jay the match at SummerSlam because he was scared. He was scared that Jay would turn into Roman Reigns, turn into a a manipulative, egotistical a-hole if he was the tribal chief, just like Roman has. And everybody's chanting a-hole, except they're not saying a-hole. And they, they, that's the explanation that they're given. Mm -hmm. That's, that's why, I guess most people, like, that was kind of the common theory. Yeah. He didn't want Jay to be the tribal chief. I think... Of the theory has involved a lot more jealousy than we've seen thus far. Mm -hmm. But I don't think there were a lot of people just expecting Jimmy to be back in the bloodline or anything, because that would make really no sense considering how all this started back at Night of Champions. But they then kind of set this up where Jay just keeps turning his back on Jimmy. Jimmy's like, you want to take a shot? And Jay's just like, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And he just keeps turning his back to him. And Jimmy's trying to circle him, but Jay's just turning his back to him. And finally, Jimmy goes to leave. Jimmy gets out of the ring, starts walking up the ramp. And Roman Reigns just starts laughing. Ah, ha, ha. He comes out of the corner. He's laughing. And Jay turns and he super kicks Roman. And then Solo goes for the Samoan spike and he dodges it and he super kicks Solo. And eventually Jay gets out of the ring. He's like, Jimmy, you come back here. And he starts motioning for them to hug. And Jimmy gets close and Jimmy gets a super kick. And I thought that's how the show's going to go off the end. Off the end. Off the air. That's how it's going to end and go off the air. And Jay turns to the camera and says, I'm out. I'm out of the bloodline. I'm out of SmackDown. I'm out of WWE. Deuces. And he hops the, the rail and he leaves. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. Certainly not a development I thought we were going to see, Mm. especially at this point. But here's the thing. Yes, sir. Here, there are a number of factors into all of this that I think could very well be at play here. Because we have seen reports come out this week that they want this match, Jey Uso versus Jimmy Uso, for WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania is like seven, eight months away yes. currently. Yes. That's a long time to be building to a match with no matches before that. So mm-hmm. how do you do that? You either really draw this thing out and really get people to hate it by then, or you take one of them off TV for a long period of time. Mm. I look at that not the exact same way, of course, because one was an injury and this is obviously an angle. But the way that they managed to have the DIY match at WrestleMania weekend was because Tommaso Ciampa was out hurt for like six, seven months. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. They do the breakup angle and then Ciampa has to be off TV and they picked it back up in January and then they continued on towards WrestleMania. I think that could be kind of what we're looking at here, that now Jay is going to be off TV or at least will be in the near future. Until, like, Royal Rumble time for them to reintegrate things, go back towards WrestleMania. Also not certain by any means, because we've again seen, you know, rumors that certain matches are going to be going on at Payback. Obviously, everybody thinks there's going to be a Bloodline Fatal 4-Way, potentially at Survivor Series, potentially at Payback, who knows. So I would not be at all surprised if Jey Uso is back on TV sooner than rather than later. But this was a very odd choice to do right after SummerSlam. So uh, to go back to recap what we were just talking about, there's certain things that was mentioned. So um, Jimmy Uso said to Jay, he didn't want him to become tribal chief. He didn't want the power to corrupt him, how he corrupted Roman Reigns. And then what I was found fascinating is how easily... Roman was willing to let Jimmy 
back into the fold. Mm. It goes to show you that it doesn't take a lot to join the bloodline. He just needs more sycophants and more people to worship him because it's almost like, in a weird way, almost taking his power away. It's kind of like, oh, you can, I can kick you in the face and still come back in the end. You know what I'm saying? It's almost mm-hmm. like it took away a bit of the lust and the sheen of being part of the bloodline or or being with Roman Reigns, if Roman Reigns, you, you know he's not being sincere, but at the same time, he, him allowing someone to be close to him, even if he's playing him, you're still kind of playing yourself in a way. The guy kicks you in the face. Do you know what I mean? Yep. He should go through some sort of uh, tribunal, as they say, in order to join back. He should get like whipped <laughs> by, with bamboo sticks or something like multiple times. Then he's like, cool, you, you can join back in. You know what I'm saying? It's just a bit too much. Mm. You can, I know what they're trying to go for in a way, but it, it just felt like it cheapened <laughs> being in the bloodline. The very thing that Sami Zayn trying to walk, walk, walk through uh, hot coals to be in. So, and also, what was also mentioned, uh, yeah, Roman Reigns saying, ha, 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 I told you so. He, he kind of switched it up a bit. He went from kind of bottling up Jimmy to now saying to Jay, I told you so. He doesn't care about you. He's jealous of you. Now acknowledge me. Before he finished, he acknowledged me. He got super kicked in the face. Again, he made himself like tertiary character within the whole thing. Kind of, It's almost like... At the same time, I guess you appreciate that he he doesn't take himself too seriously. He's allowing his cousins to be elevated. He's using himself. Roman Reigns has been selfless. He's using himself to elevate this feud that needs an injection into this feud because without the involvement of the bloodline Roman Reigns, as much as, I don't know, is a, does a certain portion of people want to see the Usos fight? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know even. They were clamoring for it, but I don't know if we had an appetite for it. Because I was actually fine with the fact they've been together ten plus years. They're gonna be attacking forever, kind of thing. But now they want to wrestle each other at WrestleMania. Yeah, you have the mind. Give them what they want and all that kind of stuff. But if they don't attach themselves to the bloodline and Jay's off, Jimmy needs to establish himself as a heel. I think about the the variables of like what each characters will look like when they face each other at WrestleMania. They both need to establish a separate persona. Their whole thing the entire time is being their twins. They're one, one D. You name it. They're just one. But now they are now two. They're the twos now. They're not the ones anymore. They're the twos now. So now Jimmy needs to establish who Jimmy Uso is as a heel. Now Jay Uso can uh, Jay Uso shouldn't fall into the trappings of Roman did, which is, is inherit the music, inherit the look. Jay Uso needs to find out who he is as well with the face. Because you can't be hypocritical. You can't be like, no, no, let him keep the music. We all booed that Roman kept the music out of the shield divorce. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the gear. So people need to keep the same energy. I mean, it happened with Eddie Guerrero and Chavo, they broke up and Eddie had a remix of the Los Guerreros theme as his own because it was a catchy theme. I do feel like we might get a Death Rebel remix of the um, Day One-ish, but, you know, Jay Uso probably sending shots at his brother and other people. I'm the one or whatever. But not to ramble on, um, the only thing I'm, weird, I'm, I'm worried about is without Jay on screen and if Jimmy's meant to exist by himself, I don't know. I'm, unfortunately, I don't have that much faith at the moment because you might as well just... It reminds me of when Stardust and Goldust went to wrestle WrestleMania and it wasn't mm-hmm. enough oomph put into them to wrestle at WrestleMania. So they end up having a blowaway feud at a random pay-per-view. Fast lane that ends on a botched three-count roll-up. Exactly. And then no follow-up for WrestleMania. And the guy that won couldn't get on the show! Exactly. So I'm, it, as much as they want to potentially be it, Owen Hart and Bret Hart, Owen Hart and Bret Hart started the, the tease in Survivor Series, but then they kind of like rekindled and then it broke up in January yep. to kickstart kind of saying like DIY kickstarted January for the show so they, they will need to be a lot of bells and wh- bells and whistles a lot of misdirection a lot of smoke and mirrors in order to make the feud work and that would require an appearance by Rikishi to hold the peace to get them to rekindle maybe who knows but at this moment I don't know if I have faith in them like you're saying they're stretching it kind of thin at the moment the explanation kind of saved it because we said it their initial reaction was, oh my gosh, did Vince Russo book this? Because if Jimmy Uso joins back the bloodline, it doesn't make sense. But now at the same time, I'm not saying that. I, I don't know what Jimmy Uso as a heel by himself is. Who does he feud in the meantime? You know what I'm saying? Like, he has to establish himself. So he has to beat people in the meantime. Who is he going to beat? Santos Escobar, possibly. Uh, Rolling Brutes members, possibly. But the, the, the boos may die down if he doesn't continue to give him reasons to be booed. 
it might become kind of tepid after mm-hmm. a while. So I'm more, I'm more worried about Jay is Jay. Jay as a baby face is over, over like Rover, as I say. But with Jimmy Uso, you know, the betrayals, you know, is giving that reaction, but he needs to, to sustain that reaction throughout the course to WrestleMania. And uh, I'm going to wait and see because I don't know what they can do in the meantime to keep it exciting because there's going to be promos. But it's like, if if Jimmy Uso's by himself, he's got no one to collaborate. There's no Paul Heyman. There's no Roman Reigns, unless they do like a weird, uneasy alliance where he, they don't like each other, but they're going to kind of work together because, uh, but I don't know what Jimmy Uso the heel by himself looks like. Yeah, neither do I. I think it's going to be really interesting to see over the next uh, few weeks and months and stuff. On a positive note, I do want to give the members of this storyline credit because, my lord, and this is not an especially new thing. It's been going on for the last year and a bit. But they have never had the Usos have more distinct personalities than they do now. Mm. If you're still getting the Usos mixed up, you're not paying attention. That, that that's you know i and this isn't a new thing as i just said but i do want to give them credit for fully developing these two very multi-dimensional characters within their show i don't know what it's going to look like after this major development to their characters because mm. i don't know if i totally buy jimmy uso's reasoning and everything you kept roman reigns on top because you were worried that jay might then have the power go to his head if he was on top. So you're choosing, I guess, the lesser of two evils. But I don't feel like you want to look at Roman Reigns as the lesser of two evils in that case. Uh, no, I think I think it's the devil you know kind of thing. I guess, but... It, it, you know what? He just said it. He said it, he's scared. He didn't... You know, it's not like... He said it. He said the truth. I was scared I was going to lose you. Yeah. I was scared that the power go through your head. But he should have said what the way, way it was. I'm scared of answering to you. Mm, yeah. And maybe we'll get to that, and that's fine. And it is also worth mentioning that in this scenario, Jimmy Uso is the heel and thus is allowed to be wrong. It'll just, uh, we'll, we'll see how well thought out his motivation will be by the end of this storyline. So we will see. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. And 
meantime, we're going to get into the rest of our SmackDown review because there were some other things that happened on this show. Mm-hmm. It's not one of those shows where it's like, nah, we had the bloodline and then some meaningless matches and whatever. There weren't a lot of like stellar wrestling matches on this show, but some stuff happened. So let's get into it. Yes, sir. Because we kicked off this show with a match. Mm-hmm. Thumbs up, gold star. I always just prefer to hear someone's music and the bell ringing. And, okay, we're going to get right into the action and not have to wait 20 minutes for whatever else we're doing. And in this case, the opening match was Charlotte Flair versus Asuka, rematch of WrestleMania 34 and also SmackDown from a few weeks ago. And it was a fine little match, Mm. nothing really to it. Mm -hmm. It's a TV match, so you're kind of getting not the big blow-away work that you might on a pay-per-view. Although I didn't think their SummerSlam match was all that great either, but that's neither here nor there. This match, however, ends in a no contest, double DQ, whatever you want to call it. As Damage Control hits the ring, they all come out. Their music had played kind of in between to cause a distraction, and it looked like maybe that's all it would be. They came down to ringside maybe just to watch the end of the match and jump them afterwards. But no... EO just did a springboard drop kick and took out both people and then did a kip up and a front flip and was like, whoa! I was like, how many five hour energies or C4 energies or whatever they've got are they pumping into the WWE talent right now? Because it was it was the the hyper child that is just like, oh, sugar rush. That was beautiful to see. Lovely. And they beat down both Charlotte and Asuka and went on their way. And that was the opening segment. Where does this lead? Does this lead to another can they coexist with Charlotte and Asuka (sighs) facing damage control like next week? Uh, I hope not, but... You've just written what's going to be next week because I think right now uh, we're meant to forget about Bianca for a bit. And I think um, Asuka's going to be like a proxy, a stand-in kind of tweener because she's being done dirty. So in a way, you're gonna kind of cheer for. Well, no, one, no one's ever not cheered for Oscar. I mean, yeah. Oscar's Oscar. But I do, yeah, I do think they are going for a Charlotte and Oscar uneasy alliance. Former tag team champions may I add uh, Oscar and Charlotte. So Flair. weird. Yes, I mean she was a former tag team champion with Alexa Bliss. I mean, yeah, let's go there as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're gonna have Oscar and Charlotte uh, facing um, Bailey and Io. And I hope um, Dakota Kai, who was on this episode too, she continues to be their second because I like them mm-hmm. three together. And I do think Dakota has something to offer while she's recuperating from an injury. If it's not going to cause any too much hassle, it's nice to keep her visible on screen. I always use Buff Bagwell as an example. Dude broke his neck, but he made, he maximizes minutes mm-hmm. managing Scott Steiner. So yeah, I'm throwing out old school reference. Um, I think they're going to turn Oscar face for the simple fact that um, they've paused maybe the damage control breakup, which I'm happy about because I didn't want him to break up without actually accomplishing what they set out to accomplish. And they kind of did with uh, when EO won the title. Uh, so I do think they've got another year left in them as a group to be credible because they did become a joke, but their main person that used to make them look like a joke is not not around that much at the moment. And uh, Charlotte's Charlotte, she cannot not be in a, in a title scene unless another wrestler on SmackDown can resurrect themselves and wrestle her. I don't know, Tegan, someone. I mean, yeah. where, where, where are the rest of these women? But yeah, I, I enjoyed the beatdown. It was to solidify the damage control are the, the most dominating force in a women's division. And I also do think it's trying to hint at that Asuka's, you know, heel run is probably dying and she's going to transition to a tweener into a face in time for her former tag team partner's uh, rumored return. Very interesting indeed. I mean, I would be happy seeing a singles match between EO and Charlotte, EO and Asuka. Whatever combination of any any such people on a pay per view will probably lead to a very good match. Mm. I'm just very, I'm happy to see EO with the title. You know, it was I think a little strange that like that Shotzi wasn't involved in this at yeah. all because like she's tormenting Bailey, but I guess she just took a week off, which is fine. If they just drop that story again, I wouldn't be bent out of no, shape about it. Because now that you mentioned the thing, because I, I had forgotten that. Had had this is Shotzi's time because they are revamping her. And what's the best way to make fans see her as a top uh, star is by her teaming up with Charlotte. 
She's just going to be eating pins, though. Yeah, but she's eating pins in the main storyline. Bennett eating pins at a show that no one really cares for, a main event or catering. I don't think it's that much better. Maybe it's better, but it's not that much It's about the optics, man. It looks good. Yeah, but she's she lost. losing. But she's losing. No, but she might not even lose. She might get DQ'd because she's crazy. She's we'll see. cuckoo. She's crazy. Bailey's going to run away. She'll chase after her. And then she doesn't mean she's not going to eat the pin. Oh, no. Then Charlotte's going to boot Eon and pin the champion because you know, that's, what, that's what they do. He's talking himself out of it in real time. <laughs> Backstage, we had Santos Escobar about to be interviewed about his U.S. title match. And Austin Theory jumps him. Throws him onto uh, one of their little backstage production cases and slams the lid of one of them on Santos Escobar's knee. Boo, hiss. This was the running storyline throughout the show backstage. There were multiple updates on Santos Escobar's condition. Rey Mysterio checking in on him because he was in the trainer's room and this and that. And Austin Theory came back and whatever. We'll get to all of it. But this was kind of the through line of the episode where all the backstage segments were all about this one thing. Next up was AJ Styles and Karrion Cross Again. Again. Now, I will give this match props for one thing, mm-hmm. and that is when they did their little backstage promo, like, feels like a month ago now. I don't even remember when it was. And AJ Styles was like, ah, but next time's going to be different. Next time I've got backup. And just Meechin walks in, and it's like, She's been here the whole time. What are you What are you on about? Why is this I know. different? I know. I know. At the very least, that played into the finish. Mm. And I like that more than I would have had it not. Mm. Because the finish of this match was that AJ had hit a 450 splash, springboard 450, and Scarlett puts Karrion Cross's foot on the rope. And thus Meechin goes over, grabs Scarlett, and tosses her over the announce table. Yeah. And then this leads to the finish as AJ fights out of the crossjack and hits the Styles Clash for the win. Solid finish. The people were actually really into it, like at the very end. Mm. Everybody went nuts for this Styles Clash. I, I don't know what it, what, what, it was, what it was exactly. Calgary just really got up for the Styles Clash, and fair play to them. And that was that. Mm. However, the rest of this match was not AJ's finest hour. And I don't want to put too much of it on him because, like, I, I've seen the spot that's gone around Twitter and everything. And as, you know, someone that I'd like to think has watched a lot of wrestling, mm-hmm. I saw that and went, well, that's not his fault, you know, because he goes for his moonsault into the reverse DDT combo, which is something that we have seen from him time and time again. It is a move that, Probably looks a little clunky, maybe more times than not. Really, I've, I, I guess in the I guess in the TNA years, he's well, so yes. fluid. Yeah. Yes, in TNA is picture perfect more times than not. Since he's come to WWE, I've seen him hit it like picture perfect a handful of times. Mm. You know that uh, that tag match he had where it was him and Jericho against the New Day, mm. 2016, the Y2AJ yeah, run. Yeah. He hit one of those on uh, one member of the New Day, and it was like the best one he's hit in WWE. I don't know why I remember that. But that match should have been on WrestleMania. That match was great. Great Raw match that was better than either of their matches at WrestleMania. But anyway. Recommendation, guys. Recommendation. Yeah. Go out of your way to watch it. 2016, like March or something. Really good stuff. This time, it did not go that smoothly. Because he goes for his moonsault. And he lands on Cross's shoulder. And he kind of goes back to hit the DDT portion of it. And Cross's ass just like bottoms out and he falls down. And AJ, like, is trying to fix it, and he's trying to pick him up to just hit the move. But he picks him up, and Cross flips himself over so he's in a regular just standing suplex position instead of being upside down like Cody would hold someone for the crossroads, or in this case, a reverse DDT. And so AJ has to twist him back over to hit the reverse DDT, and he kind of gets, like, two-thirds of the way over and picks him up and then just drops him and goes for the pin. And it was bowling shoe ugly, as Jim Ross would say. Lol. And not the best match I've ever seen. And I don't want to come on here and say like, oh, this is, oh, this is Kerry Cross. When like last week we went on the show and like LA Knight and Sheamus messed up a move. And it was like, well, you know, S happens. 
And that's still the case here, but also yeesh. Yeesh, indeed. But um, yeah, you mentioned it. AJ Styles won the match. Meechin was effective. I think it would have killed Meechin's involvement with the OC if she was yeah. <laughs> able to neutralize Scarlett. Uh, I'm I'm that guy who tries to defend why Karrion Cross should exist in WWE, but feuds like this, I I haven't gone after Karrion Cross feud like wow, this is going somewhere because I fear. <laughs> do you know what I mean? For some yeah, weird reason, I, I know well aware what you mean. I don't want to say it, but he is a vortex because it's like he does you feud with him, and then you move on. But he doesn't move on. It's weird. It's kind of like he's stuck on a ladder. Mm. It's like you got, for example, Shinsuke and AJ Styles, two guys that main event WrestleMania, Rey Mysterio main event, or you know, one Royal Rumble, you know, World Title match at WrestleMania. He's faced big name people. He hasn't faced Jabronis. The only the only wrestler that he faced that's probably below him was Riddick Moss. I was gonna say, yeah. Yeah. So Karrion Cross has faced all these former world champions, but for some weird reason, so they are on this level and he's here. And their fuse meant to propel them. But what it does is they kind of like go down the ladder a bit and then boom, 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 like a video game. And then they go back up and he's still in the same spot. Mm-hmm. So another wrestler will be like, <laughs> so you're like, oh, I hate this fuse because Karrion Cross is not over because he's not, even where he's standing on the ladder is, he's not propelled. He's a year into his run and you could argue he's still in the same slot. Albeit reaction to him is a bit better than it was before, which was, non-existent but it's like we need to justify why he's feuding these people the tarot cards things are cool and even though people are trying to use him like a like a like a fiend kind of character where everyone that feuded against him kind of changed a bit i've it, seen that twitter thread i know it's kind of reaching a bit but if when drew mcintyre on his burner account when drew mcintyre turns heel people be like see 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 carrying cross they should ma- they should mention that or at least make him more interesting. But it's just like he does these spooky promos. It's almost like a late cult leader Bray Wyatt at times where he's the eater of pins. Mm-hmm. Spooky promos, eater of pins. And I think the issue is... It's a really good comparison, actually. Thank you. Because that's what I've been thinking for ages. It's like when I see Karen Cross, this is me. Oh, no. He's going to do a very well lit, very well edited video. And what comes up next is slightly a disappointment. And then we have a rematch. He gets his win back. Then the guy beats him. They go off and he's stuck in the same slot again. They're lucky, yeah? Because listen, time's running out. Vince came back in power. Vince be like, it's not working at Scarlett. Just go. You're going to go somewhere else, you know? You know, I got a new storyline for you. And, and they're going to make um, Karen Cross a sad, mopey emo guy losing his woman because time's running out. Either you justify why you're on the show or you're going to get humiliated, buried, and released. So we've talked about Karen Cross among number of topics uh, quite frequently on this show and the problem that i have i think right now with the guy and this is not a problem that is exclusive to carrying cross but i think on this show i feel like it is most apparent with carrying cross mm. and i have problems with my wrestling shows when i feel like a large amount of time is dedicated to someone that does not matter you know If you are dedicating time every week to a guy who never wins his feuds and does not then help the person that he is feuding rise up the ladder at all, Mm -hmm. because you can be a guy on the show who whose job it is to elevate other guys, Mm -hmm. you know, that I wouldn't have a problem because you're still serving that purpose. But I never feel like Karrion Cross on SmackDown has a purpose other than just giving someone something to do for two months. And that to me is just so lazy, especially when you could be filling that time with just anything else, really. Mm. You know, where's Cameron Grimes getting the time to be given all this Karrion Cross? You know, everything, the the promos, the backstage bits. Give Cameron Grimes' personality back. Let him do four weeks of vignettes and come back and be a top mid-card heel, tweener, mm. babyface, whatever mm. you want. Just as an example, give mm. Pretty Deadly some backstage segments or vignettes. I know one of them's hurt. But do something fun where they're trying to go out to the restaurant and one of them has the, the wheelchair and they're like, um, excuse me, excuse yeah. me, do a bit out yeah. of it, you know. Something for 
other people to do who actually maybe have a higher ceiling than Karrion Cross does. But the thing is, I think what with Karrion Cross was seen as a guy that was a no-brainer WWE guy. I think it's seeing him struggle is is what my brain cannot compute. What everyone's brain cannot compute. We had excuses. Um, you know, he lost to Jeff Hardy while he was NXT champion. They gave him a, a gimp outfit. You know, there was all these excuses that came up. Now those excuses don't exist. So now we're like, all right, we can't blame Vince. We can't blame the gimp outfit. We can't blame him losing to Jeff Hardy in like seconds. Now it's like, it's a guy who should work, but he's not working. So that's why I kind of, for me, I'm like, let's do something different. Give him a group. Because at least it'll be something different. It'll be monks, guys, you know, they'll be terrorizing people. You may not be, you may not, it may not be a cup of tea. It, it may end up feeling like retribution in the end, but it's like give him something to do. Because you've got Mansour and Mansour, uh, uh, Marseille and Mansour doing nothing. Heck, make them become his heavies. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's wrestlers mm. not doing anything at the moment that needs to be repackaged. Give him a group, give them something to do. I think him. With with Scarlett, they've they, they've reached their limit because like, I can't even think of how to get him over. Let's leapfrog him to one of the main storylines. People are still gonna groan because he's not over to the level where people care that much. He's only slightly above hit row in terms of guys have come back and what are they doing? He's doing slightly okay because they still kind of care. They haven't really completely uh, completely written him off. But I'm getting worried as that deal with. Uh, was it the new group TKO or they call it WWE UFC Endeavor whatever that new group has been called once they look at Karrion Cross and you, you start losing in 30 seconds you know it's over for him I want him to succeed because again I liked him as as you know an, an impact killer cross he's, he's working tri in, in triple A uh, you know Lucha Underground you know he did okay but I felt like he had an aesthetic he had a vibe which has kind of got lost mm -hmm. again is it weird a guy's got long hair and we hate him he's got long hair maybe if he shaved his head he look menacing is it because he doesn't look menacing Thing. He just looks like a guy. Yeah, I think that has something to do with it. I don't know. I don't know how much it has to do with it. <laughs> but, like, I see the, the entrance that he did in NXT, and I see the entrance he does now, and I think it looks cooler in NXT. Again, because he had no hair. Yeah. I, I, the last thing I want to say on it, because I, I listened to him in interviews. He seems like a very interesting guy. A film buff like myself. I feel like he's the kind of guy who will talk about films for ages. He's an interesting guy. Very polite. He's got no ego, because I feel like he's a nice guy in real life. And it's a shame that he, he the, the, the things are not clicking. And I do want him to succeed or at least have a chance. And I do feel like they'll kind of give him a chance. The kind of. It's, it's a weird one, because LA Knight, you can argue, he was in the same boat where he wasn't really given anything, but he still flourished. And but you can't see the same for Karen Cross. He's just sinking like quicksand. It's a shame. We'll have to see what comes next because hopefully this will be the end of the AJ Styles Karen Cross feud. I'm ready for AJ to do something else. Do what though? I don't know. There's not, something else. I'm about to say there's no trios title. Lol. Um, you can feud with Ray if Ray's going to be champion for the foreseeable future. I would sure. like to see a Ray Mysterio's AJ Styles series of matches. Yeah. just because. It's pretty good last time they did it. Yeah. 2019 or whatever it and was. And then I would like uh, the Good Brothers to make an impact in the tag division. There's rumors that they might finally split up the tag titles because you could argue the tag titles mainly exist on Raw because yep. you don't never really see them on SmackDown. So the SmackDown, they need something. So, and if it's me, I ain't gonna lie. Just turn OC heel. Yeah. Yeah. It's always what they've done. They're, they're a, a group that was like, AJ Styles can be a babyface or a heel. The the good brothers are better suited to be heels. Just yeah. go for it. And um, yeah, I mean, like they're just they're just there. I, I know they're yeah. there for the money, but it's become so obvious. It's <laughs> 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 like yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm getting paid for it. <laughs> so Rey Mysterio's backstage. He's checking on Santos Escobar, and Theory comes by and says, "Oh, I was looking forward to defending my title tonight." We continue. We then had the SmackDown return of Edge. Yeah. Hell yeah. This is my guy. Show it again for, for people that don't know. Same tattoos, Edge. Look at that. I'm a mark. Yeah, yeah. I love this man. And this is only the second time that I've seen him on SmackDown because my two weeks uh, off were perfectly timed for his Grayson Waller effect appearance and then the Grayson Waller match. Did you like the match? Have you seen the match finally? Nope. The match was, listen, despite what, uh, you know, Pete was filling in and what he said, it was actually a decent match. It was a decent match. It mm. was. Yeah. It was a decent match, but it didn't sound like it from what the review was doing it. Like, I, I was like, hey, it's a decent match. He, he, he swam. Right but, on. But he hasn't won a match 
since he debuted Chris and Warner, but that's another time. But anyway, yeah, back to Edge. Anyway, yes. Edge is here. I'm happy, boy. I like to see Edge. So Edge comes out and says that he wasn't advertised to be there. He just saw that Calgary was on the docket before Toronto and said, damn it, it's been a while since we've all seen each other. Everybody pops. Very charming, charismatic individual. And he says that next week in Toronto is 25 years of edge. And he wants a match. He wants a match against somebody, a veteran, who he's never wrestled before, which is kind of a half-truth. He says he wants to wrestle Sheamus. Because he and Sheamus go back to, like, you know, 2010. They they wrestled in the main event of Fatal 4-Way, Cena, Orton, Edge, and Sheamus. They were in the six-pack challenge at Night of Champions this, that year. They're, yeah, look at me. You know. They, they, they've crossed paths before. But as, in terms of a one-on-one match, never before. And he starts telling a story about the actual history that he and Sheamus have behind the scenes. And I found this to be very well done because as someone who watched like the Edge WWE 24 doc yeah, when it came out, see. as I'm sure a number of people listening have, this was a very real thing. This mm. is the story of Edge getting back in the ring and stuff. So... He tells the story of Seamus going out to Edge's place in North Carolina and doing a mountain bike run where they were going to do a workout video for Seamus's YouTube channel and they were going to go mountain biking and maybe Edge would catch uh, Seamus falling off the bike. Haha. But it turns out that Edge fell off the bike. And if that had happened, like, you know, whatever it would have been at that time, like seven years earlier, mm. could have died. Like, that could have been, like, paralysis, his neck was bad, spine was bad, spinal stenosis, whole deal. That would have been bad, bad news. So he falls off the bike, and he pops right back up, and you see in the video, he's like, oh, that was a good one. Yeah. Shame's like, you all right? He's like, yeah. And he shows his bruise. He's got his big bruise on his ass. But Edge says that that fall convinced him that, like, oh, maybe I can go and wrestle again. Maybe, mm. maybe my body's actually healed up a little bit. And he then calls Sheamus out to the ring and Sheamus and the brawling brutes come out and Sheamus gets on the mic and he shows the video of them falling, kind of really hitting this home that this is a real thing. And then Edge says, oh, you had to show that picture on my butt here. Enjoy this picture. And it's him on his bike and Sheamus on Edge's daughter's bike, which is very cute. And then Sheamus tells a story and Sheamus tells a story of back in 2004, gives you an idea of how long Sheamus has been in the ring. He goes to a WWE show when they came to town, I would assume in Ireland, and he wanted some advice. And nobody would give him any advice as he was waiting there after the show except for Edge. And Edge came over, talked to him, gave him the time of day, gave him lots of really great advice. And Sheamus says without that conversation, he probably would have gone back to work in an IT job or whatever he was doing at the time, and he would not be there without Edge. So... Edge wouldn't be there without Sheamus. Sheamus wouldn't be there without Edge. They make some jokes. Ha ha. Edge says, let's have a match next week and go back and enjoy a, a, a glass of scotch afterwards. And Sheamus says, like, I'll do that if you replace it with a Guinness. And they hug and they do the handshake. And Sheamus kind of pulls him close. And he's like, it might have been a mistake, fella. Or something like that. So there's a little bit of tension there. But Edge is still like, oh, okay. Okay, I see what we're doing here. Okay. And that's the match for next week. And this, I thought, was a very fun segment. A lot of the time, double babyface segments can fall flat if people don't know who to cheer for, or sometimes they just don't play off each other well because you don't have the typical heel babyface alignment and and flow of a segment. But this segment, I thought, was very fun, very Mm. good, because Edge is an amazing talker, always has been. He's been someone who can carry promo segments and angles better than almost anybody in WWE over the last few generations. True. And all of this was very real. It was a feel-good segment. Everybody in it, like, I don't know how much it made people want, like, the the goal at the end of this was not to want to see them tear each other apart. It was to want to see them have that match and be able to celebrate both being able to be there, which I think is very nice, a very different taste for SmackDown compared to what we've seen over the last few months. Cause like, we just don't really get matches like that very often. I think we may have could have seen that sort of thing with like the Escobar Ray Mysterio match. If it went ahead, mm-hmm. that kind of like respectful heated match. But I thought this was just so much fun and maybe I'm biased cause I love edge, 
But I really, really enjoyed this promo segment. Now, context is king. Uh, the Revealing the real-life friendship. And also, I want to say LOL, because everyone speculated who this old friend would be the edge of the face for his 25th anniversary. It's Sheamus, guys. Not anyone outside uh, WWE. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy the fact they, yeah, they use the real-life history. Um, Sheamus is kind of the catalyst in Edge's return. And what I also enjoyed, in addition to... Edge showing at this point in his in his career, him being a babyface is the only way to be. I mean, as much as he tried to be a heel again, and I I get, I I was I was you know I was willing to give it a go. I was one of those people that still wanted Judgment Day to work. I was I'm one of those people that don't quit. I don't quit on people. But yeah, he's better as a babyface, and he's lovable, and he's very charming, and he's very down to earth. And what I enjoyed about uh, Sheamus' side of things is this is the first time we've had a babyface Sheamus that's not being controlled by Vince McMahon because we all remember the last time Sheamus was a babyface. It was a happy-go-lucky, lucky-charming, <laughs> you know. He was John Cena pale. Yeah, and that never worked out. So for me, it was fascinating hearing the promo because it's, it's Sheamus doing a babyface promo because usually since Sheamus has turned babyface, he still maintained the element of what makes him Sheamus. He's still a gruff individual. Mm -hmm. He's still got a hot temper. He's still ready to go for a fight. So it was the first time seeing Sheamus because he showed a kind of side of him that he hadn't even really shown when he was feuding with Drew McIntyre. It was more sincere, if, if, mm -hmm. if you get what I'm mm -hmm. trying to say. So it was lovely to see that when he saw him at 2004 and how he wasn't sure when we go back to an IT job that you had. I was like, random. Oh, Sheamus is into IT. Okay, <laughs> nice. Um, and I've, I, he said O2. Because I don't know if the... Because there's O2 Academy... But I don't WWE don't do O2 Academy because that's like a small setting, like a club setting. So it, when he said O2, I was thinking maybe Sheamus was living in London. That, mm. that makes the most sense because he said it was in the O2. He went to visit there. Must have been WWE show, Raw show, whatever in the O2. He must have like either done a dark match or gone to see and support someone. And then that's when he had the conversation with, with Edge. But... Seamus is still getting a good reaction from people because he recently did an interview talking about how he's frustrated about how they didn't capitalize on his feud with Gunter and propel him because it did look like at one so. point, yeah. It did look like at one point uh, during the War Games time, they were positioning uh, Seamus as the next challenger for Roman Reigns. Mm -hmm. But it never materialized. Yeah, if there was a December pay-per-view last year, I thought that they would have done Roman versus Seamus. I assume it was going to be Rumble, but it didn't happen because they kept the Kevin Owens... In the Sami Zayn Kevin Owens and needed needed to continue, so it made the most sense to go with Kevin Owens instead of Sheamus. But is is also the instance of like, unfortunately, Roman Reigns's uh, title reign kind of hindered certain people's progression, hence why the new world title was created. Sheamus is one of the victims of people like he couldn't even progress to the next level. Mm -hmm. So, but I got a question for you: Could this be a beginning of a new feud though? Because as as much as I like Sheamus as a babyface, brawling brutes, whatever, but they're in a holding pattern because now even Pretty Deadly the group they were, they were feuding with are not around at the moment Brawling Brutes and Sheamus are doing nothing at the moment This could this be a beginning of a new a monthly feud that will end by Survivor Series between Edge and Sheamus what do you think? I think it could very well be the case I think this could be a fun time where maybe you have Sheamus turn heel and, and cheat to beat Edge next week you know, and embarrass him in his hometown. Because normally I wouldn't advocate for beating people in their hometown and stuff. Mm. But, like, you know, Edge got his big hometown match and moment and everything last year. So mm. maybe you can subvert the expectations of not doing it again this year. Something like that. But after seeing this promo, I'm like, I feel like there is more legs to this than just one match. Maybe they are setting something up that'll take us through the next few months. And let's not forget as well, there's history have it when like when Jericho and Shawn Michaels feuded and all, all that kind of stuff. It is, it is one one of feuds that expanded. So this could be it. By the same time, I don't want Sheamus to go with the big show route of he'll face, he'll face. Because mm -hmm. I, in my heart of hearts, still believe uh, Sheamus should be the one to defend Gunter mm -hmm. at next year because people saying because again Twitter someone went to me doesn't make sense the draft it doesn't really make sense now you can still do a brand supremacy match if that's still a thing where you have someone representing SmackDown Raw Sheamus can easily win the battle royal to be the number one contender all I'm saying is after WrestleMania 40 Sheamus versus Gunter that'll be great 
if they don't want, because Seamus wants to retire. I feel like once he gets the title, then, yeah. then he's like, yeah, I'm ready to retire now. I've got my, my new wife and stuff like that. I'm ready to start my new life. But he's hanging on there because he wants that one last accolade to be that full, it's like that bingo card to complete yeah. his legacy as winning every single title in WWE. And I want that for him as well because he deserves it. His later run in WWE has been incredible. Put on banger matches, two five-star matches that he's now had part of the main roster. So the guy deserves it. But if he turns heel again, uh, that kind of de defeats him facing Gunter. So mm -hmm. I'm of two minds. We'll see. We'll see. It's exciting, though. I'm looking forward to this. They they hooked me with another thing. So mm. thumbs up for that. L.A. Knight came yeah. out and uh, squashed Top Dollar. They got mm -hmm. a little bit of heat on him. Uh, just, you know, Hit Row was tripping him and B-Fab was clawing at his eyes when he was on the rope while the ref was turned. But ultimately, he just made his comeback and hit the BFT and got the win. Yeah. Yeah. And afterwards, he just gets on the mic. And he's like, yeah, 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 over and over and over again. Yeah. He does this little promo, does this little shtick. He just won at SummerSlam. It's good to be LA Knight, I suppose. And he got another win here. Better start seeing a storyline direction for him soon. But I will take wins over no wins. This is an improvement over where we were before Money in the Bank. Isn't he feuding with The Miz, though? Yeah, but are we going to, like, I don't know if the draft is a thing. Right? Oh. Is this actually going to build to a match? Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, Acqu okay. yeah according to the sources on, on Twitter saying, it's saying, like, the, the, the draft pretty much died straight away. <laughs> Great. I, I love all that effort that they put into the draft. No, but the, the way I see the draft now is almost like how I see AEW with Collision and Dynamite. It's just, like, expect to see these guys mostly on, this, on these shows. Mm-hmm. But there's but WWE tends to do a lot more cross pollination. I don't know. Yeah, it to me if that's how it was, if like this is your SmackDown crew, this is your Raw crew, but you might see people on either show, which basically is what it is. That I think would be fine. But in WWE, it feels like they go out there and say we have these rules, and then they immediately forget about the rules. It's like if you just don't tell me that there are rules, mm. I won't be upset at you for breaking your own stupid fake rules. Mm -hmm. You know, say so it is what it is. It is what but it is. But Miz and LA Knight at some point, we'll see how good the match is, but good promos. Santos Escobar heads to the ring next, but he gets attacked midway through by Austin Theory, who hits a chop block on the bad knee. He goes down selling. He's, he's done. Because he was like, uh, he gets out of the trainer's room and he's like, oh, I'm going to do my best, but I'm hobbling here. And Austin Theory gets in the ring and he goes, oh, no, I can't defend my title. I guess all of you won't get to see Austin Theory live. And Rey Mysterio then comes out and, and Adam Pierce and medical staff and everybody's checking on Santos Escobar. And Rey Mysterio is getting pissed off. And Adam Pierce says, no, you know what? You are going to defend the U.S. title. You're going to defend it against Rey Mysterio. And so Rey Mysterio kind of fights him a little bit. They go to commercial. They come back from commercial and the match has started. We're in the heat segment already. Yeah. And it's a pretty short match. Rey Mysterio hits a sunset flip where he sends Theory into the turnbuckle and then he hits a 619 to the back. He hits a regular 619 and the splash. One, two, three. Rey Mysterio is your new United States champion, beating Austin Theory. Thank the Lord above. Good golly gosh. I was very happy to see this because I didn't know if they were going to do a title change, if it was just going to be Austin Theory and Santos Escobar, so I was very happy. I was very confused when I opened up my phone first thing this morning and checked Instagram, and it was just a picture of Rey Mysterio with the U.S. title. I was like, what? What's happened here? I love out-of-context moments like that. Yeah. I love it when we can wake up and we, don't, and we can't guess what you know the outcome is. Yeah. So after the match, they then go up the, the ramp and the LWO celebrate together. There's Pyro. Rey Mysterio is holding the belt to his head. Santos Escobar is they're They're holding each other and they're embracing and they're hugging and stuff. And it's very nice. This now leaves us with, well, I've got, I've got a few questions about what mm -hmm. would have happened in that Santos Escobar Rey Mysterio match. Because all the reports said that that was like not the planned way of doing it, but Santos Escobar was going to go up. But this would lead me to believe that that maybe wasn't the case. And maybe plans have changed between then and now. And maybe they wanted to go with Rey Mysterio for a purpose to be served down the line here. But it's like, huh, that's interesting. Maybe they did call an audible during that number one contenders match a few weeks ago. Maybe. Uh, what I want to say is, 
I almost feel like without a doubt, Rey Mysterio's run this time around has been so much better than his first run. And it's weird to say that because he won the Royal Rumble, he won the world title. But in terms of the respect level he's been given in this run, my guy's been given flower, his flowers. Usually it felt like Vince wanted to find new ways to humiliate him. Let's put him on a stretcher so Big Show can one dart him again to still <laughs> post. Let's get Greg Carly to squeeze, squeeze tomato juice out of his mouth. You know, there's many things that happened to Ray in his first run where he was just let him win the WWF title and or WWE title and lose it in a few minutes. The most heinous thing John Cena ever did. I agree. I agree. A guy won the tournament, won the title, and he goes, nah, I just want to beat you for the title. Not even like let him live for the next week. But anyway, yeah, this run, he won the tag titles with Dominic. Uh, he won the he won the United title before because he you know he he lost mm-hmm. to Samoa Joe in seconds. Uh, but I, I, I feel like more in this run, you know, when you people go on Twitter and say, "Oh, Rey Mysterio is great," and he's just losing. That's not the case. Rey Mysterio is great on Twitter, and he's treated like he's great. It's mm-hmm. not like the Shelton Benjamin effect. Or like Shelton Benjamin, wow, that guy, wow, look at that Noah clip, wow, and then <laughs> he's still on the main roster, guys. Why are we acting like he's dead or retired? He's still. We can still turn his fortunes around. We can, you know, Benjamin or Shelton, Shelton, kind of like LA Knight. Everyone had a rallying cry for LA Knight, which I'm happy because I was first on that on that bandwagon, so I can talk about this. Is like, well, we really want to root for someone we can, but that's a story for another time. I'll save that show and rant for another time. But with Ray Mysterio, I'm glad that on social media, like, wow, Ray's underrated. Wow, you know, Ray's one of the greatest Hall of Famer. He won his WrestleMania match against Dominic. Uh, he's now United States champion. But the question you have is what next? Obviously, the bloodline storyline has now created this thing with this um, idea in people's head like you've got to have a bit of tension in your group because they did the same thing with Damage Control. Do you know with Judgment Day? Do you know with Judgment Day? WWE can't help themselves. I feel like they go down to the world too many times until they ruin the world and the world's poisonous and if you drink it, you'll die. <laughs> so at the moment, the world, the way I see it is it could be that Santos Escobar may develop a jealousy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's his group. Then his group got adopted into Ray's group. Mm-hmm. And now they're serving Ray. It, could, it should have been his time. And it wasn't. So you could see a little bit of jealousy kicking in. I think that's the obvious direction. I don't know if that's the way that they're going to go. Maybe this still leads to like a match at WrestleMania that is very respectful. But I could also very much see it being like, well, that was my title shot. And, oh, you're selfish and blah, blah, blah. And a more traditional... He'll turn coming maybe from the entire LWO. Oh, yeah, definitely. And there's another part of me that's like, how how are they going to get the United States title on Dominic? I love how me was thinking that. I felt like Dominic did like an audition. The North American title is an audition to see if they should put a title on Dominic. I legit think that they, mm-hmm. they, because they saw him as a heat magnet, but he was incredible in the ring until the fact that he's been winning a lot of his matches to the point where you kind of start believing he wins matches now. So I felt like the North American title was kind of like a dry run to see can he hold mid card title and be believable? And so far, he's actually proven that to be the case despite the allegations that he can't work. Allegations. Which is false allegations. It's false allegations because he's done okay. He's getting better. He's also, getting there. He's getting there. I mean, yeah. But yeah. I can't let this segment go by without addressing um the most important thing. It's that the reign of Austin Derry is over. Woo! Let's Oh, uh, also, let's not forget Lashley and Street Profits had a segment. Yes, I, I, I've still got that there. Awesome. I've not forgotten. Okay, it may yeah. be it may be out of order slightly. Oh, that's good. But Austin Theory's run of terror is over. Oh, oh I'm so excited to look forward to mid card title matches again on this show. I don't know what direction they're going to go. I don't know when this Santos Escobar Rey Mysterio match that is seemingly inevitable is going to happen. I don't know who they're going to put Rey against in the immediate future. But goddamn, am I more excited for all the possibilities than I have been about any of Austin Theory's title defenses? Ah, uh, okay. I'm so glad we have a podcast because I want to bring something up that's Please. been a topic on Twitter. Should Austin Fury turn babyface? I've been seeing a lot of that question being put on Twitter. And I'm like, huh? The reason I'm saying huh is because the whole point of a babyface turn is there should be a likable quality that he has as a heel Mm -hmm. that makes people want to cheer him. Yes. I don't want to cheer him. The only time where they made him palatable, it wasn't for me. 
it wasn't for me. I never cared for Bimbo, Himbo, the way Austin Ferry. I assumed that character was a punishment for getting demoted to NXT. It's like, you're a dummy, so we're going to treat you as a dummy. That's what I saw. I saw the punishment. It's like, this guy's such an idiot. He ruined his push. Let's just treat him like an idiot. That for me was a punishment, but it got over him acting like the goofy son, like his family guy in the way. So people saying, oh, should he be babyface? He'll be even more bland as a babyface. He'll be like, I want to fight for everybody. Because, you know, he's a John Cena fan. So who knows what element of John Cena he liked. He made like the wrong element of his character and he made him trying to emulate that. Mm-hmm. The all-American babyface. I can do it. We can do it. And he doesn't have enough charisma to pull off as being a babyface. He's going to be the least interesting person in matches. What I'm trying to say is, no, he shouldn't be a babyface. I don't know what you do with him, but not as a babyface. Tepid reaction. He's going to be that guy that's forcing a reaction. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. He can be a comedy heel, low on the card, and I will not be offended by it. I think a lot of work needs to be done before I can take this guy seriously as a top talent. And that's a guy who's beaten John Cena and he'll tell you about it. But I don't think that I see a whole lot in the immediate future for Austin Theory. And if I'm wrong, we'll deal with it when we come to it. But this U.S. title run, I think to me, has been very emblematic of where he is at currently. Incredibly mid-title run. I cannot wait For Rey Mysterio's run, I can't imagine it being worse. Knock on wood. But hot dog. I don't care what comes next for the guy. Yeah, I'm going to leave it there. I was going to ask where it went wrong, what could have been salvaged. But I feel like it got botched from the moment he was doing a selfie gimmick. When he he was a comedy heel and they tried to repair him. Then he had a scene match and then they booked him differently. It's just weird. Like there's so many moments where... It's like he was put in those spaces to be a comedy heel, but also in the main event, and they couldn't quite decide which of those it was at any given time. It was like the run-up to Mania 38, where he was the last guy in that WWE title elimination chamber where Lesnar threw him off the pod. Mm. It's like, why is he the last guy? And then they did, I don't know, you remember the the Madison Square Garden bit where it was like, is, is Cody going to show up at Madison Square Garden to face mm. Brock? Like mm. Brock Lesnar has an unscheduled opponent in the main event of the Madison Square Garden show. And it's like a hot topic on Twitter all week because no one in WWE even knows who it's going to be. It's just like, what is it? What's happening? Is it going to be someone else? Is this where Cody shows up? And then it was just Austin Theory and everyone's like, what? What are you doing? And then he's the guy against Pat McAfee. And maybe that's a fine role for him, but he's like, he's Vince McMahon's handpicked guy and stuff. And then Money in the Bank or whatever. But it never felt like he was there. It felt like he still had the gimmick of here, but was being put in this position without actually climbing up to that position. Because he wasn't particularly funny. Like, it wasn't like Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle played goofy, but it's also you laughed with him. Mm -hmm. With Austin Ferry, it's kind of like they treat him as a joke, as a bum. But they they still pushed him like a credible like wrestler. So it, it, there was always a disconnect in who he was. Mm-hmm. Well, we will wrap up the discussion of that here because uh, the last thing to talk about on the show was Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits oh, backstage. Yeah. And they were talking about work just getting started because they, of course, made their re-debut, repackage debut type deal last, uh, last week as a trio beating up tag teams that, that people didn't care as much about. And it was a real short little backstage segment, but they were like, ah, we're looking fresh. We're feeling fresh. Bobby Lashley was very well spoken Mm. and I'm ready. I'm ready for this. Let's, let's go. This is a good direction. They use things, uh, I put on a plotting world domination because Bobby Lashley, (laughs) because it is, Bobby Lashley goes, the saddest thing is it's untapped potential. I'm not saying you guys didn't achieve because they're former tag team champions, but he felt like they haven't reached the magnitude they could reach. Mm-hmm. And with Bobby Lashley's help, they can reach that level. And I'm I'm loving it because you almost feel like Bobby Lashley's been cast in a role that MVP used to be in, in a mm-hmm. weird way. MVP used to be the one that gave motivational speeches and Lashley would just grunt and call himself almighty, he's an almighty era, and then that's it. But now Lashley is now the, the mastermind behind this group because I initially thought that 
you know, we're gonna lead, it's gonna lead to MVP being part of it, and almost who knows, maybe the first step to to the you know, I don't know, with this group because Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams and NXT have now gone their separate ways, so it, it may be obvious that when. Carmelo Hayes loses the NXT title, he's going to be brought up for this group, potentially. I'm just They did that backstage segment. It, for they, a reason. They've been tied together. I can't imagine that they would have done that unless there was exactly. something here. Exactly. And, uh, and it's, it is interesting because they officially haven't, haven't turned heel, but it is leading that direction. I mean, mm. it's... it's they definitely have an edge to them that they and, didn't have before. And I love when they say it's time for a new blood to take over SmackDown. That's what Lashley said. So, ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> I am excited as well. Well, that will bring the review portion of our show here to a close, of course. Make sure that you've liked this video, subscribe, and enable notifications to always on so you don't miss any other podcasts in the coming week. And before we go, we have some very special shout-outs to give, those being our $25 and above pledge hammers over at patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk, where you can get your own custom wrestling nickname read out on a show just like this. So a big shout-out to a tall, handsome guy who has goals in life, Delonte Blaine. Yeah. Dr. Hook, Nolan Evans. Yeah. The Kessel Run, DX Solo. Yeah. All Ego, Ethan Wiley. Yeah. Send Me to Heaven, Evan Reich. Yeah. Nolan Biscuits here, Fred Wurst. Yeah. Always Shining, Garrett Albright. Yeah. Honey, baby. Yeah. Jordy Bus Driver, Harry. Yeah. The Aztec Warrior, Hector Rodriguez. Yeah. Murderous James Murtaugh. Yeah. Russell Talk's personal problem solver, Jamie Donovan. Yeah. Thank you very much to all of our pledge hammers, but especially those at the $25 and above tier. If you want your own custom wrestling nickname read out on a podcast just like this, make sure you go over to patreon.com forward slash Russell Talk and subscribe at the $25 and above tier. That being said, that will draw our show to a close here, Sat. It's been wonderful having you here, of course. We need a proper run several weeks in a row where we can be each other's co-hosts because there's no one I'd rather do these shows with. You hear that, guys? He said on camera, clip it, show it to everyone. There's no one you ever do it with. With Sae, with the House of the Black Mask. Join us next week. Same Sae time. Same Sae channel. Same Sae day. The house always wins. We're out of time. Love you guys. House of the Pink Mask today. Oh, yeah, we are. Pink is beautiful. Yes. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 